0: I want to read verses uh, 6 through 11 Acts chapter 3 starting with verse 6 So then Peter said silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength and he leaping and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with him into the temple "'walking and leaping and praising God. "'And all the people saw him walking and praising God, "'and they knew that it was he which set for alms "'at the beautiful gate of the temple, "'and they were filled with wonder and amazement "'at that which had happened unto him. "'And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, "'all the people ran together unto them "'in the porch that is called Solomon's, "'greatly wondering.'" So, We've talked a little bit about these verses over the last several weeks, but just to kind of, when we read these, just to kind of keep in mind, I mean, we know that when Christ was on the earth, he did numerous miracles. Some are recorded in the Bible, and we know probably there's a lot more that aren't even recorded in the Bible. And he did all these wonderful things, but one thing that we need to keep in mind, when we, especially when we're looking here at Acts, we need to keep in mind one very important thing. And that's, that's the thing is, when we read the accounts of Jesus' miraculous healings and the healings that were performed by the apostles, these healings were done for one very specific purpose. One very specific purpose at this point in time. And that very specific purpose was to point the Jews to their Messiah. That was the main purpose, first, first and foremost. And we need to understand that because everything that we've read so far and studied So far in Acts, it's always been, Peter, how many times did he go back and reference the Old Testament? And there was a reason for that. Because the Jews, whether they were religious leaders or not, they knew the Scriptures. They knew what the prophets had had told. They knew that. And Peter is trying to get the point across to them. And pretty much, if we get this far this morning... This is going to be, I don't want to say their, their last chance, but he's going to make a final appeal to them, at least at this point on, at this certain point in time. He's going to make a final appeal to the Jews at this point in time. And these things, they've been recorded by the prophets that, that there were events to watch for that would signal the beginning of the kingdom for them. And they And they understood these things. Now, they didn't they didn't get it, unfortunately, as we know by the by all the things that have happened that we've, like I said, that have happened to this point. But notice the word, if you do, if you want to, in verse eight, the word "leaping," and that word "leaping" is in here twice. He says, "And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God." And that word there's, there's there's something important about that. The Jewish, the ones that knew the scriptures, that word would have that would have been a a sign to them, okay? I mean, that would have been a a, a sure point that Jesus was who he said he was. And you say, what do you mean? If you go back to Isaiah chapter 35, let me flip back here and read you one verse. Let me find it here real quick. I tell you what, God doesn't do anything by chance. Amen? I mean, I'm thankful for that. And, you know, a lot of times we don't understand what he's doing, Boy, I know for a fact that he doesn't do anything by chance. Everything he does is perfect. In Isaiah 35, verse 6, listen to what Isaiah says here. In fact, I'm going to back up and read verse 4, 4, 5, and 6. It says, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, and listen to what verse six says. Then shall the lame man leap, as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. They knew that scripture in Isaiah. I can assure you, those that were those Jews that were familiar, those that were how do I want to say this, um, devout Jews. They knew those scripture. I mean, they knew that scripture. So they, whether or not all the ones that knew it. Come to the realization and repented, as what Peter's going to ask them to do here in a little bit. I don't know, but they should have recognized who Jesus was. Okay, and that's that's the point that that was the whole purpose in Christ's coming. We understand that, that the whole purpose in God sending him was for the Jews to acknowledge that he was the Messiah. So I thought about this lame man, and I thought about his response to what Peter well to what Christ almighty God had done for him his healing and i thought about the lame man's response i mean he gave the glory to god he went into the temple with peter and john and he stayed with peter and john he was not ashamed to stand with god's men you know that i mean and i thought about that and, and that, to me that is a that is the same today that should be our desire we should never be ashamed To stand for the Lord ever I mean we never there's no excuse for any of us to ever be ashamed to stand for Christ and by the same token to stand with those who are standing for him who are preaching his word in whatever whatever capacity they're in we should never be ashamed to stand with them and I thought I thought how different this is and I didn't go back and look at this this morning but I thought about it this morning as I was going through my notes um there was the, if I recall correctly, there were the lepers that Christ healed. And I can't remember exactly, maybe one of y'all can remember. There was either 10 or 12 of them, I think. And only one of those came back to him and acknowledged to Christ and thanked him, basically, and honored him for healing him. The rest of them did not. And to me, I think we can see kind of a correlation here, not only in that one man, but this lame man here. I mean, our... I'll never be able to thank him enough for saving me. But that doesn't mean that I shouldn't stop trying to and I shouldn't stop living for him and trying to do what he wants to at least give some acknowledgement and honor and praise to him. So so the lame man's response, he wasn't ashamed. And then I thought about the people's response. And you look at verse 9 and 10 at what it says, and it said, and all the people saw him. And then it says, and they knew that it was he. I mean, the crowd at the temple, they knew at this point in time, there, there was enough education, there was enough knowledge in the culture of that day. They knew when they saw a miracle, when they saw somebody healed, they knew it was a, it was a touch of God, okay? It wasn't some kind of unknown thing, mystical thing, or anything like that. They knew that it was God's touch, that it healed him. And I believe that they gathered around him that day. A lot of those, they probably caught the significance of what they were seeing. They probably understood that yes, you know this is the prophets have told us this in the past. This is this is this is the beginning of something. We might not understand fully what it is, but we know that this was this was truly our Messiah that came. Some of them will believe, some of them won't. But think about all these things that these people in Jerusalem had witnessed over the last several weeks or or so, I mean, just kind of give me a little bit of leeway with that phrase several weeks, but you think about it. They had either seen or heard of all these things, the crucifixion of Jesus, his resurrection, his ascension, and then the day of Pentecost. I mean, to me, the day of Pentecost would have been enough to (laughs) to stir you up and get you, I mean, to kind of make you want to sit up straight and walk right, would it not? I mean, that alone, but in addition, all those things prior to, they had seen all these things. And look what it says. Let me find it. And it says in verse 10, And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Now, certainly that that which had happened unto him. But also in verse 11, it says, um, last two words in verse 11, greatly wondering. You know, and, and I thought, what do you think they were wondering about? Um, to me, they were probably saying, what's really taking place here? I mean, they knew something, something very unusual, if I could put it that way, something very special was, had taken place here. And I just wonder if many of them weren't sitting there thinking, is this the beginning of the kingdom that the prophets have told us about? I mean, I believe some of them recognize that because we know that there's been that there were how many, there were thousands that were saved. So they acknowledged who Christ was, although there was many that didn't. But I just think when we think about that, how that whole what their thoughts must have been. And just like us today, I mean, what's our thoughts? What's our thoughts? I mean, when we look around, and I mean, unless we got our head stuck in the sand, we look around at everything that's going on around us, and I'm not going to elaborate any further on that. But should we not come to realize that the Bible tells us as in the days so, so they were making, I mean my, That my, my, uh, wasn't part of my notes so I'm kind of I'm winging it there but as in the days of Noah. And I'll just let it go at that. Should we not realize that just like the Jews I mean is the Lord looking at us and saying do you not realize that I could come at any time? Do you not realize that you should be I should be doing more. Maybe we should all be doing more. Do we not realize? I mean, the Jews, he was probably looking at them saying, look, I've sent, I've sent prophets. I've given you the scripture. I've given you the law. And they still didn't get it. They missed it. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't, I don't want to miss, uh, and I don't think any of us sitting here this morning want to miss what he's got for us. Not because I'm not because I'm not what he's got for us, what he's got for us to do for him. Let me put it that way. For us to witness for him, for us to, to be able to help somebody maybe find their way before it's too late. I mean, one of these days, it's going to be too late. Whether Christ comes back, or whether we pass away, or whether some of our loved ones pass away, once that happens, it's too late, is it not? I mean, there's no going back. And, uh, but anyway, that was a little extra thought for this morning. That wasn't in my notes. So, but uh, these, these people, they were, all these things had them thinking, and I guess that's what I'm trying to, maybe that's the point I'm trying to get across this morning, is as we look in God's Word, it should move us to think, to consider, to ponder, I mean, to, to, to seek out, I mean, if He's speaking to us, and He does speak to us through His Word, it's not if, as He speaks to us, making sure that we're, that we're taking in what it is. And if he's moving us to move, that we move or we do whatever it is he's he's asking us to do for him. So, but um, so verses twelve and thirteen. Unless anybody has any comments. Sure. He did. He did. Yes. Yep. I didn't look up that particular scripture, blanks, but yes, he did ask them. He said, I see, and I'm ad-libbing a little bit. Give me a little bit of, he, he said, I see one, but what about the others to some point? Yes, he did ask, "Where are the others? But, um, verse 12. So Peter is, he's taking all this in. I mean, for sure, okay? I mean, and he's, and, and he's no doubt stirred, Uh, Because the Lord's moving upon him for sure. And as the lame, and it says, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Well, there's some folks, well, I'll just let that go anyway. But that could be correlated to those that That's right. That's exactly right. That's right. And there's those today that profess. Yep. They were just the instrument, weren't they, Rusty? Yeah, they were just the instrument. I mean, that's all we are. But man, I tell you what, I'm glad he's asked us. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's it. I mean, that's why we're here this morning. That's why we're here this morning. It's for him, not for us. I mean, I'm glad that I get to come to a church and fellowship with, with you all and, and, and hear his word preached. But we're here. It's all about him this morning. It's not, about, it's not about us. I mean, we love each other and we fellowship together. But It's all about him. And I mean, and he's using us. I mean, is that not a privilege? I mean, just a, I mean, just a privilege. I mean, we are just a, a, a conduit. He uses us as a conduit for whatever purpose he wants to use us for as long as we let him. I mean, what a, what a privilege that is. So, verse 12, and, it's, and like I said, and it's, I'm going to read this again. They said, When Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. The God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. I mean, Peter's really kind of rearing back and and just really letting them have it here, okay? In in case you haven't figured that out yet. And he seizes this opportunity to begin to preach. I mean, he's, he's preaching to them. And he reminds them that it is the power of Jesus that healed this man. This Jesus, the Son of God, that you killed, but that God raised from the dead, okay? It's the the power in His name that has healed this man. And these people and the religious leaders, I mean, you think about this. They were very well aware of all the events, okay, that had been going on, those things I mentioned before. I mean, if they hadn't seen them actually with their own eyes, I can assure you that they had heard of them because it all happened in, within a, you know, a small area around Jerusalem. I'm sure they knew that. And you say, do you have any scripture for that? Yeah, actually I do. And it's a pretty familiar scripture. John chapter 3. You say, well, you know, there was a lot of people that didn't believe. Well, there was a lot of people that did. A lot of people that did, a lot of people knew. John chapter 3 verse 1 says this, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And listen to what he said, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him Rabbi, number one look at how he addressed Jesus. When he said Rabbi, he was addressing him as Lord, as master as someone who had greater authority than he did. I can tell you that, and he says, "We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him." I mean, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good uh, declaration that he knew he knew who Christ was. He knew he was. He knew he was who he said he was. So it's his name. Verse fourteen and fifteen. Peter goes on and he says, "But ye denied the Holy One." And the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. So now Peter kinda he kinda turns this group, this gathering, if you want to say, right here, and keep in mind they're right at the temple, okay, and there's a large group of people around. He kind of turns the the whole, I would say the whole I don't know, area, if I can call it that, kind of into a courtroom. I mean, he's laid out. He's pretty much pronounced them guilty. And and he's laying out to them the evidence. And he says, you know, he's laid out the evidence of the people's guilt and the leaders who were guilty of killing their own Messiah. And then he goes on in verse 16, and he says, in his name through faith, in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. That's verse 16. Peter tells them and us that it's faith in Jesus Christ that's healed this man. And the name of Jesus Christ spoken has healed this man. And he wasn't just halfway healed, he was perfectly healed. And he was perfectly healed immediately. You know, now I tell you, maybe you don't think that means much. But sometime when you don't have anything to do, go back and read that and think about that. You know, I thought about how that the night I got saved, man, I tell you what, when I went to that altar and when I knelt down, I tell you what, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna go, I'm telling you the truth. I was carrying some weight. I didn't understand what it was, but I was heavy. And boy, When I went down and I prayed, I can tell you, when I got up, he changed me right now. Maybe he changed me on the way, I don't know, but he changed me. In the same way, he changes us right now. When he healed this man, it was right now. There was no no pause. It was was immediate. So how, how could two fishermen, think about this, Peter and John, how could two fishermen perform such a perfect miracle unless God was in them, working in them? That's the only way. That's the only way. Unless he was with them. How could they speak? How could they preach? How could they do the things that they did unless God was with them? You know, there's no doubt in my mind that a lot of people understood that. I mean, they knew. These men are... They fish. That's what they do for a living. They fish. And yet they're standing there citing Scripture to them. They're preaching the the Scriptures to them. They're healing this man. They've healed this man. Now, granted, they've given the credit to Christ... But again, how could they do all these things unless God was with them? How could that be? So, in verse 17, Peter goes on and he says, And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled." You know, Peter tells them that they have seen the events that the prophets had spoken of regarding the Messiah. I mean, that's what he's telling them. He's saying, look, you have witnessed, basically, you've you've witnessed prophecy fulfilled. You've witnessed prophecy fulfilled. You know what? If Christ comes back, we'll see prophecy fulfilled. If If we're here alive, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something to be sitting here, the choir be singing one morning, or Pastor Tom be preaching and all at once, poof, we're just, wow, I mean... But I mean, y'all say, "Well, that's goofy." You don't know it can't. Nobody can say that it can't happen. Okay, it could happen. It could happen. So, but Peter tells them that the events they've seen, they've seen, like I said, what the prophets had foretold. God had had fulfilled His prophecy of the coming Messiah in, son, in His Son Jesus Christ. Now, God knew. God knows everything. Okay. If you're sitting here this morning and think he doesn't know, God knows everything, okay? I got news for you. He knows it all. You know, the, the, the worst thing that we don't want anybody to know, guess what? God knows. He, he knows. But um, God knew exactly how the religious leaders and how many of the people would respond to Jesus Christ, his son. He already knew that there was going to be, he already knew what was going to happen. But here's the thing. That did not alter or change his perfect plan for salvation for all of us. You know, I mean, man will do what man wants to do, but it does not change God's perfect plan. You know, I don't care what people say today. You can, you know, my advice would be don't listen to too much stuff that's on. Well, I'll just let it go. But, you, but we need to. Li- we need not to. There's a lot of stuff we don't need to take in. I'm telling you because it's it's very. It is just non-productive. I'll just put it that way. It's not going to help you in your Christian walk, okay? But I don't care how, how long you've been on the road, so to speak. It's not going to help you any. So A lot of this stuff's not. But anyway, I'm getting off track. But it didn't change his plan, okay? That's, that's the important thing to know. It didn't change his plan. And in verse 19, um, let me read 19 through 21. He says, Peter says, He said, you've done all these things, you killed your Messiah, you're guilty. That's what he's told him, you're guilty of this. But then he says in verse 19, but there's grace. Aren't you glad that there's grace? I mean, I am, I can tell you that. Verse 19, he says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. You say, what's he, what's he saying there? Again, this verse 19, these words when he says that your sins may be blotted out, he's citing again to them prophetic words. He's, he's giving them the message that Isaiah wrote however many years prior and it's back here in Isaiah 43, verse 25. Let me turn back here real quick. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. He says, I, even I, I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Um, and that's what he's, that's what, and Peter is taking them back to that. And he's telling them, if you, if you repent, if you accept my son, your sins will be blotted out and you'll be changed. And Peter's telling them here, you've got to be, you know, in order for, in order to be saved, you got to acknowledge who Christ is. I mean, that's the, that you got to acknowledge who he is. And that's what Peter's saying here. So he, uh, let me find my spot. And like I said, Peter uses the same word blotted out. And here, in, and in verses 20 and 21, he's preaching repentance to the nation of Israel. That's what he's, he's telling them, that they need to repent and they need to change. And he's telling them that if the nation repents, the kingdom will come. Have you, have you thought about that? When you look at these verses, have you thought about the fact that had the nation of Israel at that time, if they would have repented, Christ would have come. I mean, the kingdom would have started. But God knew all along, unfortunately, that they weren't going to do that. But that was the reason. I mean, back to my earlier point, the reason that Jesus came, the reason these miracles were done, it was all to point them for the start of the kingdom. But they did not repent. So when I, when I look at these verses, I mean, to me, they're, they're powerful verses. They were powerful on that day. And they're powerful on this day. I mean, when you think about it, like I said, if the nation of Israel had repented then and accepted Christ as their Messiah, Christ would have come and set up his kingdom. But they did not. And it's important to note that that Peter was preaching personal repentance as well as national repentance. You know, we look at our country. Our country is only going to turn in one way. And that's, it's going to be Person by person will have to accept, will have to repent and accept. That's the only way the nation is going to change. The nation doesn't change until the people within the nation change. I mean, that's a, that's a fact. So he says, repent ye, th- repent ye therefore and be converted. You say, well, what do you, what's he mean by that? It means admit your sin and repent. He told him, he said, admit you made a mistake. You killed the Messiah. Admit that you did this. Repent, acknowledge that He is Christ, God's only Son, and turn to Him and accept Christ as your Savior, as your Messiah. That's what Peter was telling them. He was really pleading with them again because he he explained to them on the day of Pentecost what was going on. And again, he's telling them again, these things have happened, you need to turn, you need to accept Him. And um, like I said, the promise... Was personal repentance that would provide forgiveness of sins, and the result would be a national forgive, would be a national turning to the Lord. I mean, that's that's when he's talking about the spiritual refreshing. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. In order for the nation, for the country to be spiritually changed, it's gonna start by all individual people being repenting and accepting Christ. That's how it's gonna start. That's the only way it's gonna start. So, I mean, I, I thought how important it is for those of us who are sitting here this morning that are saved, you know what? I'm going to use real poor English. It ain't no time to quit. It ain't no time to stop. There's a time, right now is the time. I mean, we need to shine our light just as bright as we can. We need to witness as best we can. We need to live, come to church as often as we can, serve Him the best we can because there's people all around us that they're dying, and they're going to hell, and it's not good. And we've got, I don't know, but I know you all got lost family. I've got lost family. I got people living around me that are lost, and I know you do too. So our job is to live as best we can, to witness to them, show them. You know what I mean? We're the ones in the light, and they're in the dark. We got to show them that light as best we can. We got to show them that light. So I'm going to quit there for this morning.